Amen. Good stuff this morning, man. Give God a round of applause. You're glad you're here today. Man, God has already allowed us to worship His Son. Well, I'm Terry Pierce, the pastor here at Connect Church, and man, I am so honored and privileged to be able to preach to you guys today. I'd uh, much rather preach than talk about uh, fundraising, so uh, let's do this. Uh, Dr. Luke, uh, in the first five verses, he is a medical physician. Uh, he traveled with the Apostle Paul uh, for almost 30 years, and uh, he tells the story of his introduction here in the first five verses of Luke chapter 1. And he's going to outline, if you will, uh, someone has said, Dr. Daryl Bach, a great New Testament scholar, he said, if you will, in the first five verses of Luke chapter 1, what Dr. Luke is doing is he is introducing us to Jesus. And he is saying to you and I, listen, I know Jesus personally, and he's going to write to a young man by the name of Theopolis, and he's going to say to that young man, as he is to you today, Theopolis, you need to read this book. This book is a game changer because what you're going to find out in my personal story of telling you about Jesus, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is I know who Jesus is. For 30 years, I've interviewed those whose lives have been changed and affected by Jesus. So Theophilus, read this book because God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life, and that's what we're discovering verse by verse, week after week, that God has a personal plan for your life, just like it was back in the day. And he says in these first five verses, Dr. Bach makes the, the, the illustration, he says, it's much like Luke is, is an architect, and he's designing it, Jess, and he's saying, I know how to tell you to live your life, God's got a better plan for your life, but listen to me. I know more about your life than what you do. And just like when you're building a house or a building, an architect understands things that you and I wouldn't understand. They're drawing things, schematics, all of the stuff that goes into a, a designing a house. They understand even stuff the builder doesn't get because they know what it takes to construct a house properly. And Luke is building the case that God knows how to live your life better than you do. He understands where you're at, and he has a better future for you. But you've got to listen, and you've got to learn from the one who's been there and knows the design of your life. And so Luke is arguing, and, and in his day and time, he lived in a, in a culture and a society not unlike us today, where the critics said that Christianity was just a perversion of Judaism. Christianity was just a perversion of Judaism. Christianity's not real. It is a man-made religion, and it is just one of many ways to have a way to get to God. And Luke says, don't buy that bunch of junk. I'm telling you, it is absolutely the wrong way. There is only one way to God, and I'm going to tell you the story of who Jesus is. And here's the message of the Gospel of Luke. You want to write this down? This is what we've been preaching to you guys. This is the whole thing. Luke reassures his Christian readers that they belong in relationship with God in this new community called Christianity. 
So now, that sets the stage for where we're at this morning in this first chapter of Luke, of Luke describing for you and I the beginnings of Christianity. And it all starts with the birth of Christ. How timely that we're there uh, in this season. And what we're going to learn and discover today as we walk through this is Luke's going to introduce us to who Jesus really is, and he's going to begin that process of helping us understand, and this is the interesting part today. We're going to hear this a few times. God is full of surprises. God is full of surprises. You and I need to understand this morning that God does things differently than what you and I would. And you're going to see that God delights in your impossible situations and turning them into opportunities to show us how much he loves us. Let me say that again. God is going to turn impossible situations in your life and mine into opportunities for him to show us that he loves us. Have you ever been in an impossible situation? Have you ever been in an impossible situation? If you're married, you've been in an impossible situation. So let me say it this way. Um, it is so unfair. Ladies, don't do this to your husband. It is so unfair. Maybe it happened to you this morning, and God bless you if you survive this. And your wife looks at you, and she's looking in the mirror. And you know, you know those that are married, I, I personally, man, all I ever look in a mirror for is a booger check. You know, make sure that, you know, there's not a booger there. Uh, I'm good to go, man. It takes me about 30 seconds to look in the mirror and go, <laughs> yeah, I got it going on. Anyway, but you ladies, uh, ladies do it differently. My wife's got full-length mirrors. She's got mirrors, you know, everywhere. She's looking at every nook and cranny, you know. They're just looking at all this stuff. And I go, why do you do that? But then invariably, the lady in your life will turn to you, and in a nightmare impossible, the worst situation possible, she looks at you, and says, sweetie, does this outfit make me look fat? And you're like, dang, I hate that question. And in your hardest of hearts, what goes through your mind, Michael, it hopefully doesn't come out your mouth, but what goes through your mind, if you're an average male, is you're thinking, it ain't the dress that's making you look fat. Ah, uh, but you don't say it. You're not stupid. And you go, <laughs> it has nothing to do with the dress, but you know, you're not, it, so you don't say it, but you're thinking it. And if you're alive, you kept it to yourself, and then you do what all good Baptists do you lie. And so you look at her, and you change the subject, and you say to her, sweetie, that dress makes you look hot. And then she's like, okay, all right, okay. And so uh, you, you avoid the whole answer to the problem in your possible situation. And so some of y'all women going, I never knew that's what he was thinking. And so you guys are dead meat after church. But anyway, uh, have you ever been in impossible situations? Now, what is the greatest 
thing that we've been listening to. Uh, are you not sick of hearing this? The impossible situation that we're in our country. If I hear one more person talk about it on the news, I'm going to just whatever. But, uh, you know, we, we can't get our Christmas gifts and we can't get gas and we can't get uh, bread and all this stuff because of the transportation, uh, you know, back uh, log or whatever they're calling it. And so we're in a possible situation where, you know, we can't get goods to the places that they're supposed to go. If President Biden and all of the Congress and the White House and all the intellectuals cannot solve this problem, I, Terry Pierce, have solved the problem today. All of the transportation for everything you need, I have unclogged the chain. And so this morning, I want to tell you how we can get everything that you need. I want you to look. So every problem that we have of transportation with not enough truckers and not all that stuff, this is how you solve the problem. Gary, this is your new job this week. <laughs> uh, put those on your scooter, baby. Make some extra income. Those of you that got motorcycles, where's Brandon at? Man, put these on your, on your ride, dude, on your Harley. Uh, I'm just telling you, uh, this is the way to solve the tra any possible pr transportation problems. I don't know why they haven't figured this out. It was easy. Anyway, uh, so... In impossible situations, some of you have been going through a season in your life of impossible situations. Some of you this morning are currently in an impossible situation. And God has a message for you personally today. And God is full of surprises. Have you heard that this morning? He turns impossible situations into opportunities to show us that he loves us is his people. Matter of fact, that's what I want to talk to you guys about this morning. Turn your Bibles to the Luke chapter 1 verse 5. Luke chapter 1 verse 5 this morning. And we're going to begin a journey. Uh, we're going to look at 80 verses in this first chapter. Now, don't run off and don't tune out this morning, those of you watching online. I'm talking about we're only going to cover 20 of those verses this morning, not all 80, but we'll get there. Uh, and so over the next three weeks, we're going to talk to you about Luke chapter 1. But today, we're going to talk to you about the subject matter of impossible opportunities when God is at work in your life and mine. And we're going to help you see those impossible opportunities of what God wants to do. Do not tune out on me. We're going to get through some weighty stuff uh, before we get there, but I promise you at the end we're going to bring it and there's going to be some really practical stuff for you guys. So, how many of us grow impatient? Am I the only one that grows impatient when you're walking through impossible situations, waiting on God to show up? Am I the only one? Are you guys with me? Are you guys awake this morning? Am I the only one that gets impatient on God? Where are you at? This is you. Can you not see what's going on here? Well, maybe this is the first lesson we need to learn this morning. Let me illustrate it to you. You've got to learn how to wait. And here's the first way to get there. Let me illustrate it to you in this way. And we're going to see this in Zechariah and Elizabeth's story this morning. So uh, you guys have been so faithful to give, and, and, and you know, we hired uh, this fall an administrative assistant to sort of take some of the pressure off me, and so uh, Taylor and I are working out our new, you know, ground rules here, and, you know, new job description, and what, you know, I need her to do, and, and, and taking all this load off, and so uh, I called her into the office, and, you know, she's doing a great job, and man, it's been a big help, so I called her in the office, and I'm learning to turn 
turned more and more stuff over. And uh, I just said, uh, one of the things that I hate doing every year, it takes me like several hours because I'm me and I'm weird. And uh, you guys don't know the new folks in the church. I'm a very type A. If you look up type A personalities in the you know, dictionary, Wikipedia, uh, they got my picture. And so this is what Taylor's life is like. So y'all pray for her. I bring her into the office. Rebecca knows. And I bring her in the office, and I said, uh, I need a new desk calendar. It's December. January's coming, and I need a new desk calendar. Now, you wouldn't think that was a big deal, but you don't know me. And so uh, I said, Taylor, and she's just standing there, and I said, now, you need to understand, I don't want just an ordinary desk calendar. And she's going, okay, Brother Terry, okay, all right. You know, she's got a little note. And I said, I need exactly 11 and a half inches by 16 and a quarter inches. Desk calendar, I've had one just like this for 20 years. I'm a Baptist and I do not change. So again, let me emphasize, 11 and a half, 16 and a quarter um, desk calendar, but it cannot just be a regular desk calendar that you said here that I need to take notes on when I take phone calls in. I have to have all 12 months calendar on every month. So when I pull off that paper, all the other months have to be on there because I have to look at dates all the time. And so, I, and I don't want them at the top. I don't want them on the side. I need the calendar just at the bottom. But on the side, I need the calendar pushed over to the side and I need a note section because when two people do call in. So do you understand, Taylor? What I need is 16 and a quarter, 11 and a half inches calendar, date the calendars all 12 months on the bottom and on the right-hand side, I need a note section. And other than that, pick out what you want. <laughs> I wish you could have seen Taylor's face. It was priceless. She, Stanley was smiling, but she was biting her tongue clean off. I could tell. <laughs> And you know, uh, and she didn't, she did a good job, but she didn't say a word, but I could tell in those eyes, and, and I know sort of what Colton goes through now a little bit, and so I could tell in those eyes that uh, Taylor was thinking, well then, order it yourself. <laughs> uh, and anyway, but, uh, but you know, she didn't say a word because she realized she was talking to the boss, and so she just smiled and goes, okay, and she walked away, and she ordered me 16 and a quarter by 11 and a half with a calendar in their nose on the side, uh, and so she went and ordered me a calendar, and, and I said all that to say this, this is how you and I need to learn to do our relationship with God. There are times in your life where you feel like you're in situations, maybe today, where God is saying, this is what I want you to go through in your life, and you're like, heck no, I'm out on that. I don't want to do this. I don't like the situation I'm in. I definitely don't want to do that. I don't like the situation that's transpiring in my life. And we're like, you know what? I'm out on that. I got a better plan. You do it your way, God, but I'm going to go my own way. And ladies and gentlemen, the first lesson we need to learn this morning, if God is going to do impossible opportunities in your life and mine, then you and I have to learn to shut up and know that he is God. He's the boss, and he knows what's best for us. And the first rule to experiencing God's answer to our situations is by trusting him, being obedient, and realizing that he's in charge, even when it doesn't seem fair. An impossible situation is occurring in our text today. It's a couple 
who have been barren without a child all of their life. They're now older in age. They're sort of like Ernie and Sandy Simmons. And so uh, they're, uh, they're older in age, and they've been around a long time. And could you imagine, could you imagine God saying to them, you're going to have a child. And they've been waiting all of these years, and it's a difficult season. And then, to top it all off, and here's where it really gets dark, this couple has been all of their life serving God. They've never had a baby. And as tough as that is for some of you that are listening online or here in the service this morning, and you've been walking through infertility in your life, you know, magnify this in their culture. In their culture in their day, if a woman couldn't have a baby, then she was considered as a sin curse failure in her life. And this is Elizabeth's situation. It was heavy and it was dark. And then you add to it, Josh, that for 400 years since the days of Malachi, God had not spoken. No angel has spoken on planet earth. God himself has not spoken to any preacher or to any prophet. For 400 years, the first time in the history of planet earth, God has not spoken for that length of time. I'm telling you, it was chaotic. The world was dark. The, the people had no hope. Everything was just simply, they had given up believing that God cared about them. They were all in an impossible situation. And now with that context, in the midst of that impossible situation, we see the opportunity for God to move in. Would you stand with me this morning? I know it's a lengthy passage, and you guys have, man, I know it's tired, and your coffee's not, it's wearing out on you, so. Oh, yeah, I'm talking about you at home. You stand, too. You're not, you stand up. All right, so here, here we go. Verse 5 in the text. In the days of Herod, the king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah and the division of Abijah. And he had a wife and from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God. Underline that. They weren't doing anything wrong. Honestly, look at me this morning. They were probably better than any of you in the room, doing everything right. Blameless. How many could that be said about any of us today? So they walk in blameless in all the commandments and the statutes of the Lord, but they had no child. So it had nothing to do with sin, had nothing to do with them not being the right kind of people. It was just an impossible situation in their, in their circumstances. Elizabeth was barren, and they both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as a priest before God and his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of the incense. And there appeared in him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. Well, duh. And then the angel said unto him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn 
for many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit of the power of Elijah to turn to the hearts of the fathers of the children, the disobedient, the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a, pre- a people prepared. And then Zechariah said to the angel, <laughs> uh, love the preacher here, how shall I know this? He's not the only one. Uh, for I am a man, old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence. And in other words, I'm Gabriel, the angel, standing in your presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent. In other words, because of your lack of faith, you will not be able to speak until the day of wondering at his, at his, uh, uh, these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be filled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen the vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. Could you imagine me not being able to talk, just using my hands? And when the time of service was ended, he went to his home. And after these days, I noticed the difference of Elizabeth's faith versus the preacher Zechariah. She conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me. In other words, he's answered my prayers in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. You may be seated. Luke begins the story, this Christmas story, by recounting at what first glance, when you read this text, you notice that it begins with, and in the days of Herod. How many of you guys have read that like a thousand times? You've heard the Christmas story, in the days of Herod, we've heard that story. And when you first read that, your first onset is, is you're like, oh yeah, that's a nice way to introduce the story, and it's just a nice little introduction. It's not meant that way. Let me explain to you this morning. Dr. Danny Aiken is in his commentary on this text is making a really strong point. He says, we don't appreciate how dark this hour was, how difficult the circumstances were, that the situation that these people were in. When he says in the days of Herod, the only thing that you could and I could relate to, we don't even understand it in American culture, but if you're Cuban and you begin telling your story of your life and your family, you will tell the story that in 1959, a dictator by the name of Castro took over our country and suppressed our people, and now we're in the mess that we're in all these years later. This is what Luke meant when he says, in the days of Herod, we have a dictator. We have a terrible leader that has so oppressed us as a people and that we have no hope and we're living destitute and and, and we have no freedom. And so that is the unbelievable circumstances, the impossible situation that the people of God were in. The people are on edge. They're living this way. And then God is full of surprises. Did I mention that? Y'all need to remember that word today. God is full of surprises. Y'all just ain't been looking for him. And do you know how we look for God to show up in our lives? We have become so lied to by the devil. And he has so deceived us. How do we expect God to show up in our life? Well, he's God, and we're Americans, so it must be that he's going to be on primetime American Idol, and we're going to put on a big production, and there's going to be lights and cameras and blah, and we're going to sing, and we're going to go, wow, God just spoke to me. And that's how we look for God. And it doesn't work that way. Some of y'all come to church, and you're like, man, 
I'm double dog daring God to show up in that song service. And Tanner better have a good one because, man, I want God to speak to me. Man, I hope Brother Terry's not boring again this week. Uh, man, I hope that he gives us something that, man, I expect Brother Terry to give me a word. I'm telling you, stop it. That's not how God works. In my devotions, if you've been reading through the Hear Journal with us, you're going to find out how God works just like he did in this story. Now listen to me, get this. God works by raising up one man or one woman that want to be obedient and falls in love with him, and through that one man or through that one woman, he allows a revival to spread that changes the world. Look back with us. What have we been reading? In the days when all of Israel was wiped out, he raised up Nehemiah to build a wall. He raised up Ezra to read the word. Before that, we were in Esther, and, and he put a, a queen there to save the people. Her brother-in-law, Mordecai, who, who came on the scene to save the nation of Israel. All throughout Scripture, God raised up one man, one woman, and through them, he began a revival movement. And that's exactly what happens in our text. I'm going to give you a son. Your son's name's going to be called John the Baptist. And I'm telling you, you've been waiting all these years, Elizabeth, for a boy. I'm fixing to give you a kid that is going to literally, outside of Jesus Christ, be perhaps one of the greatest men that ever walked the face of the planet that prepares the way for Jesus Christ. Surprise! In your weakest impossible situation God raises up a person to show us the truth and folks it's time we start looking for those people in our lives that God is working through to give us the word that we need to hear now let me remind you and I this morning how dark this situation was Dr. Danny Aiken says if you're going to really move yourself from your spiritual deadness to realizing how much you need God, then we've got to go deep into the hole. Now, here's how impossible their situation was. And I know some of you guys can relate to this. Mary and Elizabeth, I'm sorry, Zachariah and Elizabeth, have been praying for God to give them a kid for decades. Every woman in the room, this morning, I have your attention. Because you know when that season when you couldn't have a child, or maybe you're there now, how many times have you prayed? God, just give me a baby. God, what is your plan? Is it fair to say, ladies, Elizabeth prayed this prayer 10,000 times? 80, 90 years, and there's been no answer. That's a tough situation. No easy answers. What do you do in those impossible situations? And how we handle it determines whether or not we're going to look at God and see what He can do with great opportunities. I was 26, 27 years old as a pastor, trying to figure out what in the freak I was doing. Not doing well. Church was doing well, but man, I was so green. 
and a lady walks into your office, and they never prepare you for this in college or seminary. And she walks into my office, Kevin, and she just says, I've had four miscarriages, Pastor Terry. This lady's 10 years older than me. I've had four miscarriages. For 15 years, I've been praying for God to give me a kid, and God has said no. Now, what would you say to her? You know, there's no... And you know what I said to her? That's an impossible situation. And I said, I can't even imagine how dark and difficult this is. But I know this, sis, and this is all I know, is I don't have an answer for you today, but I know this. No matter how dark this gets, and no matter how hard this is, I know that God Almighty has called Belen and I to be your pastor here in Georgia. He's called us to lead this church, and for whatever reason, he has chosen us to be here at this season and this time in your life. And know this, Belen and I love you, and we're going to be with you, and we're never going to give up on you, and God has sent us into your life to say, I love you, and I care about you. Yeah, you're not going to have a kid, but I promise you this. I'm going to give you other support. I'm going to give you other help, and I'm going to give you something someday down the road that's even better. I promise you I will be with you through this valley and this season of your life. It wasn't the answer she wanted to hear. But it was the answer that God was calling her to. And if you're not careful, we quit listening for God's answers when we don't like it. And Dr. Danny Aiken says it this way, and I can't help you guys until you admit this. Our disappointments, write this down, will either make us bitter or they will make us better. Isn't that good? Our disappointments will either make us bitter or they're going to make us better. And we see in the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth that they didn't develop bad theology. Oh, I'm telling you, too many times as we walk through the impossible situations, we come up with bad theology. One of the young ladies in our church, I'm so thankful for what God's doing to young people in our church, she... Uh, put on social media, this something that my generation has said so stupidly wrong over the years, and I know what we've met, but we said this phrase, that God will never put on you more than, you know, you can handle, and that's a bunch of crock. There's no such thing in the Bible, and it's not a truth. Let me say it again. We've said over the years that God will never put on you more than you can handle, and it's not true. The devil will allow bad stuff in your life that will overwhelm you that is way beyond your ability to handle it. What God promises is, is I will carry the load with you. You're always going to have stuff that's going to overwhelm you. You're always going to have stuff more than you can handle. Just, I'm just telling you, wake up. That is a horrible lie. God promises to walk with us when it's overwhelming. That's the truth. Your situations, impossible situations, will make you bitter or better. So I'm 
processing this message, and this is the way my, my week goes, is that, man, I'm studying the text, and I'm praying over, and I'm reading commentaries on Sunday night, or Monday and Tuesdays, and, and then around Wednesday, man, it's just praying over the message, and, and, you know, and then on Thursdays, I sit down, and I begin to type out the manuscript, and we go through it, and, and so anyway, so uh, somewhere in the middle of the week, uh, you know, I'm just praying over this message, Chop, and man, the Word of God speaking into me, and how do I encourage my folks in impossible situations? And I'm like, man, how? And I'm on this whole point, and this is just stuck in my brain because this is the way my mind works. And so, man, I'm working sermon, and and so I'm driving, and I had to go downtown for something. And so I leave work, and I'm driving downtown, and um, and, and man, it, it's just not ever good because because I'm trying to pray over the message, and and all of a sudden God gives me a sermon illustration. But before He gets there, the devil's trying to rob me of my joy, and it's y'all's fault because somebody's never taught people in Mississippi how to drive. And you all frustrate the living daylights out of me. When the light turns green, go! And when it turns yellow, speed up! (laughs) And don't stop! And so anyway, and so I'm driving downtown and people are just acting like they've never seen a car before and, and it's backed up and, and you know, we've got all these lanes now but you can't drive in them. And anyway, and so we're driving and I'm trying to get through and I mean, I got to get back to work on the sermon and take care and answer y'all's calls and stuff like that. And so I get very frustrated when I'm driving and the devil's robbing me of my joy. And I mean, like, there ain't no joy. And so I'm about four cars deep at a red light, downtown by Fair Park. There's no reason to be four cars deep at a red light at Fair Park. And you know what I'm thinking at that point? Waiting, because now, just in a second, I gotta cross over, and you know you're not gonna get there because you know what you're gonna hear. Trains coming across town. We'll be there another hour because people don't know how to go. And so anyway, sorry, I feel better. (laughs) Not really, it's still stupid. Anyway, so I'm stuck at the red light at Fair Park. And man, does God just wear me out. And he gives me a sermon illustration for you all today. And it convicted me. Are you going to let your impossible situations make you bitter or better? And I watched a young man, probably in his 30s, get out of his car while I'm stuck at a stupid light. And he pulls out a metal looks like a pole to me at first. He just has one. And he pulls out a metal pole, and he begins to, um, and I think he's going to take pictures. Man, he's going he's to shoot pictures at Fair Park, and he's going to, you know, he's going to, you know, just get the scenery in. And then all of a sudden, he pulls out another pole, and it's not a tripod. I thought he was going to take pictures. It's not a tripod at all. They're crutches. Now listen to me. He pulls out two metal crutches. And he's hanging on to them by, and they're, and he pulls his legs out. I've never seen a more crippled, his legs were so crippled, they were so twisted and so marred. And this guy is just trying to get out of his car, and, and he's wobbling. And honestly, I'm stopping, and I'm about to jump out because this guy's going to fall over at any second. And he has no stability. And he's walking, and his legs are just, just mangled. And I've never seen anybody. 
And this guy is just fighting his way to get out of his car and, and to walk. And, and he's on the street right there where we're, and you know, and I'm thinking, man, he's going to fall over. And, and I just felt so bad for the guy. But then I watched and the Holy Spirit began to speak into my heart and say, are, are you not watching this? And here's this, and I don't know who this guy is, but I watched him and he, and he just, and he made his way out of his car and he closed the door and he made his way. And every step was painful. Every step he felt like he was going to fall. And, and, and yet when I looked at him, Miss Marie, he was well dressed to the nines. This guy gets up, and you know, you could think in your mind, it probably takes him two hours just to get dressed because of the physical limitations of his mangled body. But this guy does it anyway. He's well-dressed. And then I look, and uh, he's not just well-dressed. He's getting out of a Lexus, and uh, he's going into the grill to eat lunch. And, and I'm thinking, the Holy Spirit said into my heart and my life, man, this guy has chosen not to be defined by his disabilities. This guy is not living in bitterness. This, this guy is fighting every day to make the most of what he can in an impossible situation. And ladies and gentlemen, that is the story of Zechariah and, and, and Elizabeth. When you have impossible situations, you have to decide in the heart of your hearts, am I going to be defined by what is not going right in my life, or am I going to look for God's opportunity? And so let me ask you this morning, and I need you to write it down again, our disappointments will either make us bitter or they're going to make us better. Zachariah and Elizabeth were faithful in their impossible situations to stay on the journey of faith. They refused to lay down and quit. Zachariah was old and tired, but he continued to go <coughs> to the temple every day and to perform his duties. And by the way, it's very significant to understand that in the precise moment of time, Zacharias served as a high priest. The scripture says that there were 24 um, legions of, of priests. Basically, scholarship tells us there were over 1,000 priests in his day. At best, once or maybe twice in your life, would you ever come to a place in your life once or twice in your life, look at me this morning, once or twice in your life, would you come to a place where a priest would be able to go into the Holy of Holies and to be able to perform the blood sacrifice for the sins of the people? And so how was it that the very first time in Zechariah's ministry, he is inside the Holy of Holies that Gabriel shows up and tells him, you're going to have a son. Impossible situations and surprise, God shows up. Are you getting the message this morning? You guys get to continue to wait for God's surprises and your impossible situations. Let me illustrate it to you this way this morning. We got to quit focusing on the negative and allow God to show up in our lives. Um, in my discipleship group, 
Um, and, and this is so why you need to be a, doing a discipleship group or you need to be in one or you need to be get back to leading one because God will give you the charge and the truth that you need. Uh, it is, it's way deeper and better. I love our connect groups. That's another phase uh, you need to be signing up for. But man, here's what happened in our D group this week and this Thursday night. So I'm in my D group and we're sharing in John chapter four and y'all know the story. It's my new favorite chapter of the Bible. John chapter four, Jesus goes to the well. He meets a whore and he tells her, about God and how all of her husbands and all of the messed up things in her life is just in there. You look it up and he leads her to believe in God, confess uh, her wicked way of living. She goes back to her village in Samaria. She tells everybody, everybody's watching. Everybody knows this woman in town. Everybody knows what that one woman, what, what this woman does. The one thing that she does in town and everybody sees, man, this woman has changed. They cannot believe their eyes. They cannot believe what she's talking about. They follow this woman uh, back up the hill to meet Jesus and the whole town comes to follow Jesus Christ. An amazing story. Love John chapter 4. Surprise. Watch what God does. And then our guys just, the Holy Spirit took over. And this is why you need to be in a D group because God just speaks to you and gives you that encouragement that you need. And uh, Brooks begins to share. And he said, man, I want to tell you, God can change any of your circumstances. And he said, God's been working a revival in me and my wife and our family's life. And he said, so God led you in my heart to go get ESV study Bibles because that's what Brother Terry preached out of. And he said, Brother Terry, ESV study Bibles are extremely expensive. And I go, tell me about it. And so he said, I got four of them. And he said, and I got my whole family ESV study Bibles. And then God says, Brooks, I want you to give away one of your Bibles to the new young couple at Connect Church that just got saved. And Brooks was like, but those are expensive. And he said, um, but I want you to give that away to that new young couple. And, and Brooks was like, made every excuse. And he says, but man, I don't want to offend somebody, you know, and ask him, do you have a Bible? And so the Holy Spirit just said, Brooks, shut up and do what I told you to do. So Brooks shut up and did it. And he walked up to the guy a couple of weeks ago in our church service that just got saved, him and his wife. And he said, man, I don't mean to offend you, but do you have a Bible? And the guy says, no. And he said, and I gave him a Bible, and I got, I said, well, you ain't heard nothing yet, surprise. I said, our God is bigger than that, Brooks. I said, let me tell you about this. I said, not only did God lead you to do that, and that's awesome and cool, but you know, Miss Shirley Mills, and for those of you that don't know, Shirley is the widow of the former deacon chairman of board, uh, the deacon chairman of our the board chairman of our deacon board. It's easy now. I talk for a living. And so he passed away in June with brain cancer. So Shirley is in an impossible situation. Brooks was in an impossible situation. But God shows up and surprise and wants to use you and your impossible situations to bless others if your focus is not on your problems, but on letting God use you in the midst of your pain. And Miss Shirley Mills, I said, has been called by God to disciple that lady of the husband that you gave the Bible to, tell me God is not working discipleship. This is why you need to be letting God lead you to do discipleship because people need to be blessed by you. You need to be blessed by them. And so I began to share how that Shirley came up to me Wednesday night and said, I've been discipling this lady who lives in Mantachi by me. And guess what? She is so enamored with Jesus Christ. She can't get over the fact that he saved her, but she's never heard the Christmas story. She is so pumped and excited about 
about Luke chapter 1 because she's never been able to sit in church and hear the story of how much God loved us that he sent his only son to be born into this world. And maybe you and I need to get back to a little bit more joy and a little bit more excitement that God so loved us that he gave us his only begotten son. Amen! Surprise. In your impossible situations, Shirley could choose to be bitter. Shirley could choose to be bitter. Or she could let God use her and make her better. Even in impossible situations. So here's how I want to close this morning. Very quickly, get out your notes. And I want to share with you three practical principles this morning of how to apply this text and this story to your life and mine. Number one, our impossibilities set the stage for God to do his best work. Our impossibilities set set the stage for God to do his best work. Zachariah, man, he didn't believe the angel. Oh, this can't happen to us. But Elizabeth did. Verse 13, and the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayers have been heard. Surprise! The biblical account of Zechariah and Elizabeth, they're timeless fundamental truths. Now hear me this morning, this is deep theology, that God is not a crea- is, is interested, he's not just a, he's not just a figment of your imagination and mind. He's not something that we created because we need him. Here's who God is, and write this down. This story reflects the real divine involvement with the flesh and blood affairs of his people. God cares about you personally. He intervened in their physical story to bless them. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to believe in God again. You need to believe that God cares about you where you're at and in your circumstances. But notice what happens in verse 18. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? Can I confess to you this morning as we wrap all this up that I'm Zachariah in the story. I don't know who you are, but I'm Zachariah. I wish I was Elizabeth, but I'm not. For 40 days, I'm sorry, for the last 30 days, I've been Zachariah. I've been in a spiritual funk. Don't judge me. Have you ever been there? And I've been ill, and I've been grouchy, and I've just been hard to live with, besides normal <laughs> conditions for Berlin. And finally, Berlin confronted me. And thank God for a godly wife who prays over her husband and loves her husband. And she just had enough. And she goes, what's wrong with you? And she lovingly said, I know that you're struggling spiritually. And not only was, did God use her to speak into my life, Surprise, the angel was Zechariah. But then he began to use you all. Thanks for listening now. And anyway, he began to use you all. And, and, uh, and some of you guys came up to me and, and then in my Connect group. <laughs> and this is why you need to be involved in small group ministries at Connect Church because you need discipleship groups pouring into you and people holding you accountable and praying over you. You need co- small groups. And so my Connect group, man, they had a prayer session. They asked me, they said, basically, this is what everybody was saying into my life. Brother Terry, we're worried about you. And we can see the toll 
of what you've been through this season. And Terry, you're, you're carrying way too much. You're not the same. And they were weeping over me and they were advising me, Grant, that we can tell the pressure. I hadn't told anyone. I didn't even tell my wife. But when you're involved in discipleship in our church, God gives people wisdom. And they said, you're putting too much on yourself. And God would take me to the spiritual woodshed. And here was my excuse. Here was my impossible situation. I buried my best friend in July. And that sucked. <laughs> I buried another deacon who of the older generation stood by me when a lot of people were trying to take my head off and get me fired by the name of Bob Tubb. And his wife's here today. Two very important people in my life. God sent this weird dude into my life who this church desperately needed and I needed. And a dear friend by the name of Bob Leach, who was always my encourager. I buried three really close people in just the last few months. Not to mention literally dozens of you all that have lost a parent or a spouse or a dear close family member. And I've been there with you. And not to mention, and I'm sorry, it's been a sucky year. Heart surgery, freaking spinal fusion, didn't even know what that was till this year. And then a, a wreck in six inches, and I won't be, and I'm not here. The devil's trying to kill me. <laughs> enough was enough. But that's not really why I was such in a bad mood. That was part of it. But you know what stupidly I have done? Is I doubted God. And I begin to just worry. Because the devil comes after you, he comes after me, and this is what he played games with me with, and I bought it. Is our church has been in 14 months of revival. I don't even know of hardly any other church in the country, only a handful of us that I know that have had a revival season 14 straight months. In the midst of freaking COVID, we've had somebody get saved, baptized, or join the church. I mean, God is pouring out his blessings on Connect Church and saved. People are getting saved. People are getting baptized. I mean, amazing stuff is happening. When every other church is on the threshold of closing their doors, we're blowing it wide open with the greatest year in our 90-year history of our church has happened this year. Somebody say amen. And what do I do? I ask myself as the leader, how do I keep this going? And then you all poured into me and my discipleship group poured into me and said, Brother Terry, you need to practice what you preach. That's always a great note. And they simply said these words. You didn't start the revival. So why in the freak do you think you can keep it going? Why are you putting that pressure on yourself? How about you let it go as long as God desires to bless and do this season, and why don't you just shut up and enjoy it? 
And I was like, dang, (laughs) drop the mic. And you know what? This morning, I'm enjoying Jesus. And I'm enjoying being your pastor. I don't know how long it's lasting. I'm going to go to Pearl tomorrow night, and I'm going to share with discipleship with their church, and I'm going to pour into them, and I'm going to continue to let God use me. I don't care how long it lasts. This is revival. He's in charge. My job is just to talk and speak into you guys. I'm telling you, surprise. Watch what God will do in your heart and your life when you don't focus on the negative, and you just believe that God is who he says he is. He loves to give us opportunities if we'll listen. And then I'll close. God's delays are not necessarily his denials. You need to know this morning that God's delays are not necessarily his denials. Elizabeth never quit believing. I love her faith. I wish I was more like her. As we went through, and I was sharing this point, In my discipleship group, this is why you need to be doing discipleship. This is why you need to be leading a group. Tony, uh, one of her other D groups Thursday night, said these words about John chapter 4. And this is what I want to leave you with this morning. Tony said, you know, our problem is, Brother Terry, is that we keep waiting to see God do something first, then we'll believe. But that's not how God designed it in his book. God says, believe in me first and then I will show you great things. Here's what I want you to write down. Write this down in your, in your notes this morning. Ron has got it up there. Pull it up for us. Believing. Believing. You got it for me, sis? Believing is seeing. We want to see first, but Elizabeth believed first. Then she received the blessings. Believing is seeing. What a great word. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and your truth to us this morning. We thank you for the note that you've given us today to remind us, Father, that you desire to show us and to show up and surprise us. Father, we've got to get back to just believing in you, even when we don't see the answers that we're looking for. We're going to believe in you. Now, here's what I want to close with this morning. Would you stand with me this morning? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Stand with me. And we're going to sing of one verse of invitation. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, we're going to invite you to come. But maybe you're here today. For whatever reason, you've been struggling in impossible situations. And man, I believe God's given me this message to help you all today. And you need to come today just to an old-fashioned altar and say, you know what? It is time for me to get back to believing in God. I've got to get my eyes off my problems i got to get my eyes off my situation. I've become bitter rather than better. And I've got to choose, Jesus, I want you. I'm going to believe in you. I'm coming back to you today. And Father, I'm going to choose for you. I'm going to wait on you if that's what it takes. But I'm going to choose in this waiting season for you to make me better. Opportunities for God to surprise us. Would you believe today as we sing? Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 1030. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like answered, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, 
That's www.triconnect.church.